0: Well, hey, everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to hear real life stories about how God works all things together for good, because he is always faithful and always good. Well, hey, before we get this party started, I have some exciting news for you. If you're ready to get your book in front of an entirely new and fast-growing market, an audiobook would be perfect for you. Having an audiobook gives you the opportunity to get your book in front of more people while giving the listener a new way to hear your story in an intimate way. An estimated 131 million people listen to an audiobook in 2021. And do you know that the people that listen to audiobooks don't read print books, they only listen to audiobooks. So it's a whole new market for you to take advantage of. Leverage the opportunity of getting your book in front of millions of people by having an audiobook today. We can help you create one. Visit RedemptionPressAudio.com for our introductory special. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am excited to introduce you to another new Redemption Press author, Marian Wright, and her new book, Devastation in Mountain Measure. So let me give her a proper introduction before we go to that conversation. Marion Wright founded Living Water Teaching in Guatemala in 1979. Along with her husband, Jim Zirkel, she stepped into the primary leadership position in 1998, after Jim's death, and manages the organization's massive outreach to 11 countries with ministries, including evangelistic campaigns, medical clinics, an orphanage, and a Bible school with 45,000 graduates. Marion has two grown daughters, a son who lives in heaven, 15 grandchildren, and 15 great-grandchildren. She has been married to Clarence Wright since 2003, and together they are passionate about the ministry of Living Water Teaching and the people of Guatemala. So let's go ahead and roll that tape. So, Marion Wright, thank you so much for being with us today on the All Things podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. You bet. So before we uh, hear about your book and which encompasses a pretty dramatic story, share with us how God has worked, the character of God that we see in romans eight twenty eight where, We know that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we all have lots of those experiences in our life where God shows up and works good out of something we could not imagine. But let's just go ahead and have you share um, how God has done that in such a dramatic way in your life.
1: Well, of course, the day of the accident was a horrible day. And knowing that our leaders were taken out on that day through the accident, um, I thought, how can this ministry continue because we don't have our leaders? I'm not a leader. I I walked by Jim's side. I never walked in his shoes. So I thought, Lord, how are we going to continue uh, with the ministry because there were so many things bombarding my mind that I wasn't uh, capable, that I didn't feel like I had the ability, that I wasn't a leader. And of course, you know, the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy, and he was bombarding my mind with all of these things. But I knew that God loved me. I know he knew that he had a purpose while we were on the field. I knew the ministry was continued. I knew all these things in my heart, even though negative and all these negative things were coming against me, I still knew that God was going to work this out for our good. I didn't know how at the moment, but I knew I had to trust him. I had to tap into his grace, knowing that he loved our ministry. He called our ministry. We've been on the field 42 years. Of course, the at the time of the accident, it was only 19 years so it's been 23 years since the accident. So God has worked it out for our good. And I knew that he would because he's such a good, good God. He's such a good father. Mm-hmm. And um, he gave me the confidence to step in the shoes that were too big for me. And so that's what I did by faith and confidence and his grace and prayers of God's people. And we have continued on.
0: Wow. And, you know, when you have something like when you survive something as a, devastating and traumatic with so much loss for God to bring anything good out of that is amazing.
1: Yes. yes. And wow. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Believe me. I am so thankful that the ministry continued because it's a good work. We're reaching thousands of people with the gospel. We're training nationals in the word of God. So I knew that we were not to leave even though uh, in the negative part of it, thinking that how can I continue on without having the leaders? Um, I knew that I didn't have to lead like Jim, that um, I have my own anointing. (laughs) And I had to build up confidence uh, that I could take the ministry on. And I had a good team to work with, praise God, good staff, missionaries, directors, uh, a church. So I knew I had a lot of people behind me praying. And, you know, when you got people praying for you, God is going to work it out for your good. And it's because he called, he called us, he had a purpose yeah. and he still has that same purpose. And that same call has not been lifted uh, in all these years. And so mm. we're continuing right on, but with more, um, more strength, more anointing, uh, more victory, and we're just pressing right on end to what God has told us to do.
0: Mm. So why did you decide to write your story after
1: so many years? What, what do you hope readers will take away? Well, uh, you know, I, I had never written a book and I didn't even know, how to start one, even though my husband told me after we've been on the field a few years, he said, Marion, you need to write a book about being a missionary wife on the field. And I said, yeah, I should. And then after the accident happened, uh, a minister friend of mine came to the field and uh, he said, Marion, you need to write a book. And, and then I knew that I had a story to tell, a story that I knew that would help people. And he said, I am going to give you the first offering. And then when I get back to the U.S., I'm going to send you another offering. So I thought this money is designated for a book. I have got to find out how to write a book. So I just sat down at my computer and I just began to let it come out of me, um, the story. And what I really want, I want the story to minister to people. I know there's a lot of people have gone through tragedies, uh, bitter divorces, They've lost precious loved ones. They face situations that have been horrible. And through the book, I try to share with them through the word that any, anything you have to go through or anything you are going through, not that you have to anything that you're going through, that God will help you. He'll bring you through victorious on the other side. It may not seem like it because the pain is so deep. The hurt it hurt, I mean, it hurts bad, <laughs> but you know, The book, I wanted to to minister to people to show them that regardless of what's going on in their life, what they have gone through, what they are going through, that God can bring them through victoriously Mm. on the other side.
0: Amen. So, you write that you have never blamed God or were angry Mm. at Him after the crash. It was a plane crash, right?
1: It was a plane crash.
0: And so, the death of your husband, your son, and son in law. So, how do you explain your reaction? And and what advice would you give to people who are struggling with being angry at God over, you know, a loss or multiple losses?
1: That's true. I never blame God. I've never been angry at God because, see, I know God more than just God. I know him as my heavenly father And, and I know he loves me and I know he would not cause a crash. He would not cause a divorce. That's just not who he is. He is a good, good father. And. Um, I know a lot of people blame God because if they blame somebody, it helps. It eases the pain somewhat. And a lot of people do blame God for fires, for accidents. But many times it's because that we have made the wrong decision or we didn't listen to maybe something he was telling us on the inside. You know, if you're if you're drinking and you get in a car and you have an accident, God didn't cause that accident that decision was made a wrong decision that you don't get behind the wheel of a car and, and drive. So see, I knew this was not God. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't take life. He gives life. Mm-hmm. And because of who he is, uh, he's a good, good father. And, and I do understand when people lose a loved one or they're going through a tragedy, uh, don't blame God. Don't mm-hmm. blame God. Even though you want to blame somebody uh, just realize that sometimes decisions are wrong decisions are made by the person that, that's had the problem or the accident or, or whatever. And well, and
0: sometimes it's someone else's bad choice that you've exactly. been affected and you had nothing to do with it. But that's right. If God allowed it, he, he didn't cause it. No, he, he, he allowed it. it. He's sovereign. He's so, sovereign. Yes. wow, Lord, what do you want to teach me through this? Mm-hmm. Loss or tragedy. Right. And we don't usually go there. We usually shake our fist.
1: Right. I, I don't have. I don't have a complete answer for the accident. And what I don't understand, I just put it in God's hands. But I do know that He did not cause it. I've never been angry at God for this um, hurting. Oh yeah. I mean, there was a lot of pain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I do know that there is a thief that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So I choose to believe that part of it, the scripture.
0: Amen. Amen. So you write that God's grace was instrumental in your healing. And your subtitle says that it's a story about God's faithfulness. So tell us what his grace and faithfulness looked like in your healing process. And maybe what encouragement you can provide to those who are grieving a loss.
1: Okay. Well, serving God as long as I have, I I received him as my savior when I was just a teenager and he has proved himself faithful all through my life. Then going through the accident, his, his faithful presence was there. You know, the Bible says that he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. So when I would sit down to eat a meal or I would go to bed at night, uh, I'd ask him for his presence, just to be there, to help me through another day, another night, to give me his peace. Um, His faithfulness is always to provide decisions I had to make uh, after the accident, being uh, stepping up into the leadership position and president of the ministry. I had to rely on his faithfulness to make the right decisions. Even though I was hurting inside, I would say, Lord, you know, uh, I need your help in this. You've always been faithful, and I know you'll be faithful in bringing me through this and and causing our ministry uh, to be victorious again. And you also have to tap into his grace. Uh, I didn't know a lot about the grace of God, but I began to search the scriptures and read a lot. So I know what grace is. Grace is, is unmerited favor. Grace is the blessing of God. It's the goodness of God. But it's also something inside of us that when we can't do things on our own, his grace will enable us to be able to do it. I, I couldn't have taken over the leadership of this ministry, and being president, without his grace. But, you know, his grace has enabled me to pick up the pieces. I picked up the mantle that day after the accident. When I said we're going on by his grace, it was his grace. And anyone right now that's going through something um, – I just encourage you, uh, turn over the pain to the Lord. That's what I did. I I opened my heart. You need to open your heart and let Jesus begin to heal. And he will do that. And you can just, I mean, you can cry, you know, I cry, I've cried a bucket of tears. There's nothing wrong with crying. You don't want to get a spirit of grief, but yes, you are going to grieve. I grieved. I cried. I I screamed at the devil at times. And I said, we are going through. I am more than a conqueror. I stood on the word of God. Mm -hmm. And you got to have the word in you when things like this happen, because you don't have time to go get ready after the word. Mm -hmm. So I had the word. I stood on the word. Uh, in saying things like I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, who loves me and devil, you're a liar. Uh, you're under my feet. And I'm just things like that. And so you have to just open yourself up and, and as your first thing in the morning, just say, Lord, Jesus, heal me, heal my emotions. Mm-hmm. Be real to me today. Walk with me today. Help me through this one day at a time. You can't do it overnight. It takes, it, it depends. Every person grieves different."
0: right and right
1: so one day at a time i just took it one day at a time you know time time also helps but it's really jesus that's our healer
0: amen amen and not you know being willing to be sad and cry and and go through those emotions a lot of times i think christians give kind of trite answers to people who are grieving because they aren't comfortable being around someone who's so sad and they can't do anything to fix it but so it's awkward, and you know, right? We, right. We, we just need people around us to just weep with those who weep. Yes, yeah, what the Bible right. says, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: And you can say something like, you know, I love you, and I'm praying for you. I know it's hard, uh, but you know, you're gonna you're gonna get through this. Yeah. You know, something like that. Yep. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. So now it's uncommon to be called to the mission field at age 15, and probably just as uncommon for a 15 year old to listen to that calling. Things were challenging when you first moved to Guatemala as a missionary. So what made you stay, and what has made you continue your mission work for all these years?
1: Well, when I was 15, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, I was gonna be a missionary. Just, I, it was a knowing on the inside. I believe that God put that in there. Yeah, it was like my dream, my vision, uh, my knowing. And um, even though that I was only 15, I kept bathing it in prayer and even told my husband, you know, that I was going to get, before we got married, that I was called to be a missionary, uh, et cetera, et cetera, you know, but we didn't get to to the field until I was, you know, about 20 some odd years later because I wasn't going right then. I wasn't ready. You know what I'm saying? Right. But um, the reason we've continued right on is God has put such a love in my heart for these people. Yes. It was very hard when we came. I couldn't speak Spanish. Uh, it was hard for me to barter on the on the open market. I didn't know how to do that. I had to learn how to barter for my food. Uh, we left all of our friends and family back in the United States, so I, we didn't really have a lot. Of, just our, the five of us. Um, but as we began to um, branch out and realize that God called us to Guatemala for a purpose to preach His gospel, we began to take reel to reel tapes. And uh, my husband would preach. We would go back into the interior of Guatemala and uh, take take a reel-to-reel tape, you know, have a, some kind of a message on there or or a, or a revival or a healing, whatever. And then my husband would preach the gospel. And people would just, just receive the Lord when there was altar call time. Uh, it's like they were hungry for something. Guatemala was very religious, very religious, and, and still a lot of religion there. But, you know, but when you take the gospel, the good news and people's lives are changed and they realize that there's more than a lot of do's and don'ts, there's a God that loves them, a God that wants to meet their needs, a God that will heal them, a God that will change situations around. And and the people there were so receptive to the word that after that first year on the field, uh, I think it was three thousand people. We won to the Lord, just through our little bit of Spanish. We had an interpreter that went with us and showed the the real to real films. Uh, over three thousand were born again. And what we would do, as we were in those little pueblos, we would leave. We would leave those people in the hands of the pastor because we work with the pastor at every place we went. Right. So when those people were born again, then the pastor could disciple them and get them in church. It's just the love for the people. God put such a love in our heart for the Guatemalan people. They're mm. so tender. They're mm. so open. They're so warm. The majority of them. Right.
0: So, so that special love for the people of Guatemala, what is it that drew you to them? And what do you love most about the people and the country?
1: Well, um, I guess what I really drew, drew me to them more than anything was, was their acceptance of us. Of the gospel that we brought, it's not religion; it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified and His resurrection. Um, they honored us by receiving the word. Um, any place that we would go, they would always uh, just have something ready for us to eat. And but more and more important than anything, they they were hungry people. And, and they would just latch on to every word we were saying and their lives would be changed and healings would take place and salvations. But uh, the, I love these people as much as my own family, because I've been there now 42 years. And uh, it's there's just a, God's put that love. You know, God is love. That's his uh, his greatest attribute is he's a God of love. And he put a love in my heart, in all of our hearts for the Guatemalan people. And that's where I plan to stay and uh, either to the rapture or to go home and be with the Lord, because I love these people. They are so warm. They are so inviting. They are so hungry. They're so receptive and they have treated us just royally since we've been there. Mm. So tell us about your current husband
0: and his involvement in your ministry in Guatemala and
1: what's, what's next. Well, my husband, we've been married on, well, we were married 19 years. His name was Clarence Wright. Uh, He was a pastor in the U.S. Um, He's the vice president of the ministry. What I really love about him, he is a man of prayer and a man of the word. When he preaches in our local church, the people just really enjoy his uh, way, his way of ministering. It's different. You know, uh, our pastor, we have a Guatemalan pastor who is a graduate and he, he's more of a preacher where Jim, I'm sorry, Clarence, (laughs) my new husband's Clarence, he is more of a teacher and he really gets, he puts more meat, you know, up on, on the, on the subject matter. And so um, that's what he does. He ministers in chapels. He ministers in our Bible school. He ministers to the missionaries. He's a minister. When he gets a chance to preach, that's what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. So Living Water Teaching, we're we'll continuing right on with the six-point vision that the Lord gave to my first husband in 1981. Six-point vision that has guided this ministry from the inception all the way up until now. And we'll continue right on with it. Um, we, uh, our heart of our ministry is training nationals in the Word of God mm-hmm. so that they can take the same word that we got take it to the nations, their pueblos, their communities, and see their communities and pueblos and nations change. Because we have students from Nicaragua, from Mexico. We've had them from Haiti. We've had them from Cuba. And uh, so they're with us for two years. And line upon line, precept upon precept, they get the word of God. It gets it into their heart. And then they're, they're changed. They see who they are, new creatures in Christ, that he lives big in them. And they can do the same thing that we've done by taking that same word, which the word of God is power, it's revelation, it's, it's, it's life. And they take it back to their own people. And that's how we've been able to win thousands of people to the Lord. It's been over 800,000 plus. I have no idea. Wow.
0: Wow. So if we have some listeners today who would like to find you, find out more about you, connect with you online, what is the best place? Do you have a
1: website you can share? We do. It's livingwaterteaching.org. Okay. And I'm also on Facebook. Perfect. Yeah, I'm not on Twitter or any of the others. I'm just on Facebook. I'm with you. I'm too busy. (laughs) I'm too busy with the work of the ministry.
0: Amen. Well, Marion, it has been a delight to hear your story and just hear more about your work. So thank you so much for spending time with us today.
1: You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining
0: us today for the All Things Podcast brought to you by Romans 828 Bookstore and Redemption Press. If today's episode encouraged you, we would love to have you share it with your friends on social media and maybe even leave a review on Apple. That will help the algorithms get us up higher to the top when people are searching for podcasts that can bring them hope and encouragement. So thanks again for joining us today and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now.